Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 293. Hey, Julius. <laughs> Welcome back. That's a classic, I gotta say. I love that. I mean, you never get told. The game is pretty <laughs> classic. Yeah, it is. It is. This is a today's game is is uh the battle at Campbell's Cascade, and it is a classic shoot 'em up game from uh from the nineties or eighties, an arcade game. You, the way you describe that, you're talking about a video game or a board game. Yes, it's a board game that that is a it's a board game in which you are playing a video game. Not confusing at all. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's called the battle battle at Campbell's Cascade, and you are a fighter pilot. Um fighting a, uh, aliens and avoiding asteroids and, you know, moving back and forth on the screen as the screen scrolls down and eventually reach the boss and you fight the boss and hopefully kill it. That's that's what the game is. Makes perfect sense. Sounds like every <laughs> video game I've always liked. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, so this game is published by Z-Man. It came out when, like in 2014 or 2015? I don't remember exactly. It is not easy to find anymore, but it it, it is out there if you look for it. Did not seem to do too well, unfortunately. It is it is technically a two to five player game, and the box has two to five, but it does have solo variant in the box, and there's also solo challenges you could find online on BGG forums, for example, to to play the game by yourself as a as a challenge, specific scenarios that you're playing. But let's let's get more into the the real meat of the stuff, right? So that was that was a summary of the game. It's a space shooter. Uh, let's talk about the components. This game has a fair bit of components and some rather unique ones, actually. The player board, really, which is the most unique thing, is made out of five plastic trays. Each tray represents a board, a, a row on the screen, and the stuff will move down by moving the trays. So it, the trays are a little hard to describe. The best way I could figure it out is imagine if you, you get your... Um, a box for one of your favorite games, say, I don't know, Agricola, and you cut off the short sides of the outer box and the inner box, right? And now you have a box you could stretch out and collapse back and forth. If you flip the inside so that both the the outside lid and the inside lid are open face of the top, you can now slide them back and forth. You see what I'm saying? Am I making sense, Julius, or am I just totally talking nonsense? I mean, I understand it mostly because I've seen the things. Okay. Well, hopefully that makes sense to the listeners. The idea is you get these plastic trays that you could expand or collapse, and the expanding and collapsing only matters based on how many players you're playing with. If you're playing with a full count, you expand it all the way so you could fit four cards across it. If you're playing with fewer players, say one per- person, you only need space for two cards across. How durable are the trays? So I don't know. The copy I bought, it was used, and it didn't bring the trays. Instead, whoever had it previously 3D printed five sets of trays that were wide enough for four cards, but not slotted. So it's just one really long piece of plastic did not fit in the box anymore. Do you prefer those kind of things? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if I prefer it or not, since I have no idea what the other ones are like. It works fine. I did not like that. It did not fit in the box though. So I, I sawed them on half and they now fit in my box just fine. Um, when you, when you butt them up against each other, it's not perfect, but you know, whatever it works. It totally works. (laughs) <laughs> i don't even know where to go with all that information. <laughs> well you know i bought it i bought a used copy 
So that was that was one of the charms. It was relatively cheap. I, I, I think I paid like maybe twelve dollars or eighteen dollars for two games. That was one of the two. Okay. And I thought that was a steal. Um, it had other other features to my my used copy that that actually are better than that one. I think. I'm excited but, to hear about other ones that you didn't chop in half as soon as you got your hands on them. <laughs> oh, I, there's no way I was going to store these on the shelves without with having the tray somewhere other than in the box. It just it just was not going to happen. Sure. So do that. Um but so so the component the trays are there, right? And that's that's the the biggest thing. Basically, each tray you can have the row of cards, the lowest row where your your ship is moving horizontally on, and then the row above it and you could advance up to that row and then move horizontally in it. A total of 5 rows. As you play, you remove the bottom row and take the cards out, put new cards, and put it at the top so that the, the game is scrolling down as you're playing. Just like the other game you talked about a few months ago with the scroll, scrolling planet. What was it? The Sun and Moon or something like that. I forgot there was a game we talked about a few months ago that had a scrolling board. Maybe, maybe sort of similar. Maybe totally different. Anyway, besides that, it brings five ships for the players. They're plastic ships on little plastic mounts, on little stands, so that they float up above the board. Each ship comes in a different color. This is one of the other tweaks this game had. The ships were all painted. Whoever owned it before, it painted them. And they they look pretty nice, actually. So that was a nice little tweak. Um, They're neat little ships. Each ship's a different color, like I said, and each one has a different shape. There's five player boards, so you could choose which player you are, and they're each associated with one of the ships. So there's an orange board and an orange ship. A yellow board and orange ship. We get the idea. Each ship has a different pilot and it has their name on it and on the on the player board and a, a little picture of it. It's all pixelated art, so it kind of looks like an older video game. Some are human, most are human, some aren't. the The player board, I'd say it's it's about the width of the box, which is this is like the, a pandemic size box. So what's that's probably like ten inches wide or so. Um, so the player boards are that wide, not quite that tall, maybe maybe half the height. It has space for, for some cards you're going to get. It has space for your resource cubes. This is a two-layer board um, so that you can put the cubes and they stay in their slots sort of thing. Wait. No, that's a flat-out lie. This is not a two-layer board. I was going to say, it doesn't look board. like it's a two-layer no. board from the pictures. It is not at all. Actually, I'm sorry. It's a flat board. <laughs> I don't know where I got that from. The it brings so it brings a board for the player. It brings all the different plastic cubes you're gonna need on the board and extra cubes that sometimes you may use depending on, on how you're playing and what cards are available and whatnot. Sometimes you may use them for missions and whatnot. So little markers for each player. There are a bunch of cards. Most of the game, other than the giant trays, is cards. You got location cards, which your ship is gonna be traveling on. There's actually five different sets of those they're they're labeled um like set a set f set w and set s and that um and when you when you shuffle your cards the lower sets that you're going to have at the at the beginning of the deck are going to be easier and as you advance through the deck they get more challenging so so it progressively gets more difficult then there's also a set of boss cards when you um when you play the game, you're gonna shuffle up uh, the one boss card, so you don't know which boss it is, and you can add it to the very bottom. When you reach the end, you'll reveal and find out which boss it is, and then get the other boss cards to build that location area. 
I think it brings four boss cards. There's a, a fifth boss card that's available that, that was available as a promo. If you could find that. Um, besides I the location. You didn't get that in your. Actually, it did have it. Oh. It did have it. Actually, actually I have two copies in that box. You have two copies of the promo. I have two copies, yeah. So, so listeners who want to know who to write to. <laughs> yeah, if you need a copy, let me know. I think it, I think one of the cards is slightly damaged or something, but you're welcome to it regardless. It would definitely still be usable. Um, so besides all those location cards and boss cards, there's equipment cards because you could buy equipment for your, your ship and upgrades and stuff. They're double-sided, and you can flip them over when you want to upgrade your the equipment you've already bought. There are power-up cards that you could collect while you're playing. There's mission cards that will give you a couple extra victory points, and you keep these hidden so when you're playing with other people, they don't know what your missions are, and vice versa. Um, there's achievement cards, different things you could go for, and if you accomplish an achievement, you'll collect the achievement card. They're available on the board for everybody to, to get them. Whoever gets it first gets them. There are sensor cards, which really only matter so much in the multiplayer game. In the solo game, they're they're mostly useless, even though you have to play one each turn. Occasionally, you get one that gives you a bonus, and that's the only reason you play them each turn, just to cycle through the deck. Um, that felt kind of a pointless, but whatever. Uh, the sensor cards also have a second purpose, though, which is very important. As you're moving on the board, if you destroy an enemy, you, flip, you put one of those sensor cards face down on the enemy you just destroyed, and it covers it, so now it's an empty space. Uh, and then besides that, finally, there's a bunch of balonium, which are little plastic resources that you uh, you pick up as you're playing, and you can use them to buy new upgrades and upgrade upgrade equipment and power-up cards. So that's pretty much everything you get in the box. I think I just told you everything. Um, the component quality, the cards all feel a little bit cheap. The They're not too bad, but they, they feel a little bit cheap. Like I said, I don't know about the original trays, so I can't comment on those. The Belonium resources, I think, are nice quality. The the player boards are all good. The ships are nice. I like how, I like the, the sculpts for all the ships. What do you think about the art for the cards? It's yes, yeah, so all the art in the game is pixelated. Um, so it and I'd say it's kind of like um probably early nineties style of art. Yeah, that's, that's what I think of, right? Like Duke Nukemish, almost something like that. Those so, do you think it's good pixel art? Um, I think it, it feels like 90s pixel. I think it feels relatively accurate. Yeah, it's fine. You know, if I put on my 90s glasses back on, I'd say, oh, yeah, this is awesome. This looks great. I guess I've seen better pixel art. It looks, it looks like a really small palette of colors. Which is accurate. To make it. Yeah, I don't. Back in the 90s, you know, 256 colors. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. It looks, I don't know. It could be because I'm not just seeing pictures of the art, but it doesn't look great. You're right. I mean, it it, it does, it is a, a small palette. And I think that might be the issue you're talking about. Like the style really does remind me of a game from the nineties, from the early nineties, like, like Duke Nukem or something like that. I, I mean, you can you you can be reminded of it by pixel art. I just feel like I've seen better pixel arts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I enjoyed it personally. I thought the I thought the art worked for me entirely. I never, yeah, I never I never felt it looked bad 
it it looks cheesy. I'll I'll give it that, but I think that's just in keeping with the theme. Like the the aliens, one of the aliens is a hawk, or not the aliens, but one of the uh, pilots is a a hawkman or something like that. And just he Star looks kind of cool and yet kind of cheesy, and you know he's got a really corny name, like Captain Hawk Moon Hawk or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it is. Um, and all the character, each of the each of the pilots have a a bit of a goofy captain name. Yeah, I like the art. I don't have a problem with it. The the cards I kind of wish were better. I dislike that the location cards are all they have square corners, but it kind of makes sense because because it sort of fills the grid in better than if they were rounded. I find Wait, this. I don't you like don't square like that corners. they have square corners. I don't like how they feel. I, I just like the feel of the square corners, and they're they're more likely to get bent and that sort of stuff. So I don't like them. Okay, uh, but they they make sense on. That they fill up the space, right? It may, it I mean, fills you don't up need to fill entirely. up the corners if the trays are black underneath. Yeah, like that's it's true. Black on black. Yep, that's a good point, actually. In general, I would say the cards feel kind of low quality. That that's the one thing I would knock on on this game. Everything else, I think, is pretty decent. The Other art, than trays, I don't know about. The art keeps on messing with me. There's like this bomb <laughs> icon on some of them. Yeah. And I'm just, I mean, I'm just looking at some of the icons and some of the cards, like the bomb and the nebula. Like, it feels like they took only, a, it's not a 256 color palette. It's like a five color palette. <laughs> yeah. You know, again, I'm looking at it and, and this, this, this is what I remember art looking like back in the nineties. So I think, I think it's, you know, it captures the theme perfectly. Maybe, maybe they, they captured it too well. Maybe that's a problem you're having. You're young. You kind of don't remember this stuff. Oh, give me a break. Back in my day, we used to listen to LPs and play pixelated video games in 16 colors, and we liked it. <laughs> I played plenty of pixelated video games in my time, and they were better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I know you did. Uh, yeah, so anyway, there we go. So that's the art. It's uh, it's not for everybody, apparently. <laughs> we'll say that. So there you go. You get, you get all these components. Lots lots of stuff in the box, actually. It's pretty full. There's definitely no room for an insert or anything like that. But at least, I mean, maybe maybe with the original trays, they were thinner than what I have. These are relatively thick uh, and kind of bulky. So maybe, maybe the original game was less bulky. Who knows? I don't. Um, okay. The, the rules, the theme... As I've been hinting, the, the theme, I think, is spot on. It, it feels like an old video game because of the art, because of the look of it. Um, some of the cheesy characters, I think the names work. That's It's pretty light, but that's there. The The scrolling screen of uh, that effect in the game, which we'll get more into in the gameplay, really it feels like I'm in a video game. It captures it really well, and I feel like I'm moving back and forth and avoiding stuff. So I think it did a really good job of that. I have a lot of fun with that. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a neat idea. So then let's talk about the gameplay. I mean, one one comment just to make about the theme mm-hmm. is that the game for its theme has picked instead of a space battle, has picked a video game of a space battle. Yeah. So it's not playing as a space battle. It's playing as a video game of a space battle. Yes, exactly. 
I, I think that's an important thing to note. It, it, that is that is exactly just exactly what you're playing. It's a video game, and if and you're the character in the video game, but it is a video game, and it feels and it behaves like a video game very much. So, well, oh, one more thing I did want to mention. How about the thing, the name of the game? I remember when it came out, I always bugged me. I said, "What the heck is that kind of weird name? What does that mean?" The battle at Kemble's Cascade. What is Kemble's Cascade? Just some made up nonsense. It is not made up nonsense. Kemble's Cascade is actually a what's it called it's it's a real thing in space it is an asterism which an asterism basically means a collection of stars in a recognizable pattern um for example constellations are all asterism because they're a collection of specific stars in a very recognizable pattern such as the big dipper and the little dipper and and so on Kemble's cascade is a real asterism that was discovered by father lucian Kemble. And he emailed somebody, uh, uh, um, or he not emailed, he wrote a letter to somebody in a magazine, Sky and Telescope, and the guy was so impressed by, by what he found, this cascading thing, that he named it after him. He called it Kemble's Cascade. So it's actually a real thing. It's not a place because, you know, these are all stars that, when you look at them from Earth, form a straight line. And, you know, when you're in space, I'm sure they're, they're very far apart from each other and whatnot. But I, but I love the the name and the theme the the location once I figured out what that was, that was super cool. So anyway, gameplay. Um, first thing about the setup, um, you're gonna set up your five trays of uh, the plastic trays on the board right on the table so that they they form lines, horizontal bars. Gluing them together if, if you've cut them apart previously. <laughs> yeah, pull out the glue again every single time. No, just put them up, and that just works fine. The cards are not going to need to really slide in there. Once you've set the card, it, it is totally fine. The I admit moving the trays around when you pick up a tray to move it. I wish it was one piece then, but the if cards only we hadn't cut them apart. If only, then I wouldn't have them in my box, and I would lose them. So be gone. So so you're going to set up your five trays. If you're playing solo, you only need two cards wide the space if you're playing f- is up to the maximum five players then it's gonna be four cards wide the i mentioned the cards have letters you're gonna shuffle the cards first at the bottom of the deck you're gonna place the the card that represents the boss you know you don't know who it is you're gonna play face down you're gonna shuffle all the bosses and play one face down then you put the next sector which i will just tell you what they're all called uh if i find it the wormhole sector you get the wormhole cards you're gonna shuffle those up and if you're then this is one thing I didn't like about the rules. They didn't. Ex- they they made you kind of read a little paragraph to figure out how how it is. I really wish it was a table because it depends on number of players. But you're gonna have about for solo. I think you have six cards. Then for the next deck, which six cards? If you think about it, each each row is two wide. That means there's three rows of this section. Then the next one is gonna have nine cards, then six cards, and then nine cards again. Um. So in the end, you have three plus four, seven, fifteen rows total. Um, five on the screen at the time. The other ten will come out eventually. You're gonna set all that up. You're gonna you have a board that you're gonna play, um, like like a victory point track on it, and and some of the cards are lined up next to it. The the objective cards are on there. Oh, that's one of the things about my copy that I forgot. The boards are just play or cardboard. They're not they're not mounted boards or anything like that. Yeah, you um, said that. Cardboard. You thought they were you thought they were dual layer, but they're not actually. They're not even single layer. They're just paper. Or not paper, but like cardstock. But mine were laminated. <laughs> okay. That's what it is. 
So anyway, so you're gonna set the board, that board up, put your your point tracker on it. You're gonna put all the equipment to one side, the other cards on the other side in their different stacks and whatnot. You're gonna get your player board, get your ship out. You will put your markers on your board. You start with one equipment, which is a rotary gun. Normally, you can only shoot forward, but you could spend energy to rotate your gun left, right, or back, so you can shoot in other directions. If you upgrade it, then you can shoot freely at any direction without having to spend energy, so which is nice. The um, you're gonna lay, you already shuffled all your cards and you built your deck. You're gonna play the cards on the board, and then you're ready to start. On your turn, what you do each turn is you could you could move and you could shoot once. You could then spend energy to to do more stuff. The first energy you spend lets you do one more thing, either move or shoot. If you want to do it a second time, then you spend two energy the next time. So you're going to spend three total. And that will let you, again, move or shoot an extra time. That's the most you could do. You get your two free plus two more. But the the three energy you spend is a lot because you only start with six. And it's not that easy to get energy back. Uh, as you're moving on the board, I didn't really talk about the locations too much, but it's kind of important. Each card, you're going to play it horizontally. And like the uh, the resist game we talked about two weeks, the cards have two things, the left half and the right half. Here, each card represents two spaces that you, your ship could be on, and you have two cards across. So each row is actually four locations, four squares that you can move to as your, as your ship is moving back and forth. Locations could have things like asteroids that are impassable, or it could have alien ships that you could shoot and will shoot back at you. And a few other things you could find, like uh, wormholes, black holes, and whatnot. And all the different things you could find might have different effects. Your goal is to move around the board, going back and forth, avoiding asteroids, and shooting enemy ships. When you shoot enemy ships, you, you may get balonium, which is the resource you could spend later for equipment, or, or you may get victory points. Less common. The you can do all your moving and shooting, and then the the turn ends. If there's other people, everybody will get to do this. When the turn ends, you're gonna take. If you're on the bottom row, you get scroll pushed up to the next row, and it calls it scroll push in the in the rules. Then you can take all the cards from the bottom row, discard them, move that bottom trade up to the very top, and put two new cards from the deck up there. So now the screen is scrolled up an extra row. Um. Then you repeat the game and you keep doing the same thing, moving and shooting as the screen's scrolling down. You're able to move forward on the screen, or you could stay in the bottom row if you wanted to, but sometimes you just need to move forward and to get things more quickly or to avoid taking damage. One of the things that happen when you're on the board, if you didn't shoot ships, any ships that are adjacent to you and any of the eight spaces around you can do damage. Then... Some ships can also shoot from the very top and in a straight line will shoot down. So if you're directly below them, any space in any of the four rows below them, you would also potentially take damage. Damage is a little weird. It doesn't happen instantly. It's a threat. They've shot at you and you're going to take damage. On the next turn, you could, every time you move a space, you remove one of those threats that you, you gained the last turn. Once you're done with your movement, any threat you still have that you didn't, removed from the previous turn becomes actual damage so it's a little it's a little weird but but it it works out fine why do you think it's weird 
The idea that I'm not taking damage this turn, but I'm taking the damage next turn is for the shots that happen this round are to me, it doesn't make sense. Really? But Yeah. But I mean, and, and yeah, I guess if you stop to think about it, it does, but I had to think about it for it, for it to really make sense. Just initially the idea that I should have immediately, as soon as they shot me, I should take damage immediately. I mean, it's kind of intuitive to me because like in a, in the old video games, they shoot the bolts and the bolts are coming at you and you can, and you can avoid it or deal with them or whatever it is that it takes. Like they're coming. (laughs) All right, so, so you prove your old video game creds there. Fine. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, but uh, but mechanically, it's not something you used to think in board games. It's not really. It doesn't feel like a board gamey thing. So yeah, it, it's definitely it's definitely for there to simulate the video games. Humorously, I'm thinking immediately of Warp's Edge that has a very similar mechanic, where an enemy comes out, you see oh. how much damage it's going to deal. And you you deal with it before it deals that damage. Yeah, it's a good example, which is also a video game, really. But not, but you're not playing a video game; you're playing the actual I mean, battle. <laughs> that's an actual battle. That's not a video game. Yeah, that is a board a game same, version but, of it. Yeah, but a board game based on old video game storylines. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, it's we'll, we'll move on. The that whole damage is a little weird to me, like I said, but it works fine. And once you get this, makes sense. You make sense. Uh, it makes sense. Any damage you take subtracts from your energy. Uh, remember, the energy is the same thing you do to get the extra moves and the extra shooting. And you only started with six. So if you're taking damage and moving, you're gonna you're gonna die real quick. Dying in this game is not final because you could um you basically disappear for off the board. And then the next turn, you could come back onto the board from the bottom row somewhere. So like a video game, it's just another life. Besides all the moving and shooting, you could choose a turn to... I forget what they call it. Power down. If you power down for the turn, that lets you instead gain some energy and then go shopping and upgrade your equipment. Um, however, you still can take threat and damage while you're powered down. The, the kind of equipment you could buy, you could buy upgraded types of guns. There's a laser that will shoot multiple targets. There's a gamma gun that will shoot everything in the column. There's a like a flame gun that will only shoot the space immediately above you, but does extra damage and is cheaper to buy. So there's all kinds of different types of equipment to buy, mostly weapons. Um, there's something to let you do extra moves. There's the, the, the roll cage thing that I mentioned for the rotary gun. And I think there, there's some shields also. They're all kind of expensive. So in a game, you're going to buy probably three three more upgrades. You might have four cards by the end. You could get more. You might only have three total. So it just kind of depends. But it's, it's kind of tight. There's never as much as you want to really buy. And that's the issue. The game is going to progress like this and keep going until you reach the end of the screen. At that point, the boss gets revealed. You'll add him to the board. Most of the bosses are actually two rows tall, so he'll appear little by little. And and your goal is to, in the solo game, to eliminate the boss completely. It's kind of hard because you got to do a lot of damage. Um, a lot of the monsters have certain sections that cannot be hit by one type of weapon or another. So you've bought some of these weapons that are more powerful. And you might find out, oh, it won't work on this section. I'm going to have to use either my regular gun or a different weapon I bought. Um, the boss monsters tend to do more damage and whatnot. I have found them very hard to defeat, but it is neat as I'm playing and I'm shooting at them and destroying them and 
the screen just keeps scrolling and the rest of the monster that was left goes past me and I was just not able to kill it. And again, that has such a video gamey feel to me. But I really got a kick out of that. The, the boss monster goes by you? Yeah, he just kept going and I wasn't able to destroy him. He didn't stop at the top of the screen and stay there to, to finish the fight. He just The screen just kept scrolling. If you didn't kill him, you didn't kill him. That doesn't feel like a video game. <laughs> it kind of, no, no, not the good ones, no. But it does have a video game feel to me. Why? Because like, I, so, I can picture the screen scrolling and the and the the enemy just going, and I lost my chance. You have like, a limited I, amount of time to deal with the boss. Yep, and, and if you don't not, kill him, and it's not a battle to the death. It is a battle to the death. You have to destroy him completely in the solo game to win. No, because you can just have a stalemate where he goes away and is not dead. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, your goal is to eliminate him, but if he goes away, you just lost. You you weren't able to do enough damage and you lost, so too bad. I mean, so your goal is to to get all the stuff you need before that. <laughs> it's kind of frustrating. Sound. So, I mean, the game was not intended originally as a solo game. Like I said, that's a variant. In the multiplayer game, you're playing for victory points. Whoever has the most VPs at the end wins. Yeah, but um, still, the boss could just be like, I'm out, PCO. Yeah, well, so in the multiplayer game, if he goes off the screen and nobody touches him, that's fine. It's still whoever got the most victory points. That's not how video... I've never seen a video game do that where the boss is like PCO. Well, okay, so the Action 52 game that I made years ago was like that. Where, where it was, and it was a terrible game or set of games, right? But yes... You are not proving my point. <laughs> there are games out there. I'm not saying the good ones do it. The horrible <laughs> video game that you designed does not prove my point. If anything, that <laughs> proves my point. It does not prove yours. I believe my point was that it does happen in video games. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so so I I still get a kick out of that. I do enjoy the watching it just disappear and the screen just moving on and saying, well, I lost my chance. And yeah, I'll admit it. That wouldn't necessarily happen with the boss monster. The screen would stay there until I killed it or killed me, vice versa. With minor bosses, that would happen, right? You you, you come across a minor, minor boss, and if you don't shoot it before he scrolls off the screen, you lost your chance with him. But there was always a bigger boss at the end that you did have to fight. Um, <laughs> grumble, grumble, yeah. So, I mean, so I kind of said the gameplay. I think I've told you everything about it the other moving and shooting. Uh, I didn't get into details of all the types of locations and the the, mo- the enemies. Some are more powerful, some are weaker, some have special effects, blah, blah, blah. There's power-up cards you could get, and you start with one or two. They they give you a one-time use, generally, that's pretty handy. Um, and some give you more. If you're playing multiplayer, there's also PvP, and you can shoot each other and get points for things like that and destroy each well, other. I like that. Yeah. Um. I've played multiplayer once or twice, and yeah, that's fun. That's definitely fun. And you don't have to do that. One game I played shooting each other, the other one I didn't. Um, what I really like about this game is that it's very tactical. It's not an action game so much, even though it's a scrolling shoot 'em up game. It's you, you have very limited moves you could do each turn and very limited shots, and your goal is to to get as many balonium as you can to buy the upgrade so you could defeat that boss at the end. If you don't get enough balonium, you're not going to be able to buy those powerful guns you need. And you get to the boss, it's impossible to do four or five points of damage in a turn, right? which you'll need to do. The most you could do in a turn, theoretically, is three, because you took three shots with your gun. And 
and that took half your health away right there. So you can do it twice, and you've got eight parts to shoot that are each going to take three or more hits. It would be impossible. Um, so yeah, so getting all those power-ups and figuring out how to get from this location to the other location, shoot things, not take too much threat that could potentially turn to damage and, and whatnot, and in which order to do stuff becomes very puzzly and very thinking. You can spend a lot of time puzzling out each move, and, and that ends up being a lot of fun. When I played with my son, he's saying the same thing. Yeah, this this is fun because you could spend all your time just thinking this out. That's good. Mm-hmm. What I don't like in the solo game is that it's only two cards wide. It feels really, really restrictive. I really wish it was three cards at least, or four. Then it'd be a really large area. I've only played one two-player game, so the widest I've had is three cards wide, and that's been satisfying enough. Can you play two-handed? Yeah, I could play two-handed. I haven't done that, though. It wouldn't... And it wouldn't add a lot to the game in terms of time, unless you're really thinking each move out really, really carefully. When I'm playing solo, I tend not to do that too much. But with, I mean, how much decision making is there with just two rows wide, two columns rather? Because it feels like there's not a whole lot of tr- like when you have a whole bunch of places to go, you can move between the different things and consider like there's five, ten options on the board for things you can do. But if there's only two columns, like there's only two things. There's remember each there's two cards. Each card is two wide, so it's four columns. But sometimes they're blank, or sometimes they're duplicate. There are a lot of be, there'll be a lot of blank, yeah, and there'll be duplicates, and there'll be asteroids. A lot of it ends up being like you know, can I, I really need to shoot this one guy over here that gets me polonium? Getting over here and not taking too much damage is tricky. Is there any way I could do it? And you got to puzzle that out. It's it's not a lot of thought, a lot of different steps you got to work out. You're not planning super far in advance, especially since the screen scrolls scrolls every turn. But but there is thinking about it. It's more of a pu- it's more of a puzzle than anything. That's how it feels. Uh-huh. Trying to puzzle the most efficient way to get from from here where I am to that belonium that I need to to collect. And there's only so many ways to do it while the screen's scrolling and not get, for example, maybe trapped over here behind some asteroids. And destroy a couple enemies while you're going. Yeah, and, right, exactly. So and and again with limited resources because there's only so much you could do each turn. So it it does. It it is tricky. <laughs> and it is fun. The the excuse me. The the solo game, there's also the challenges I mentioned. The designer published them and I think they're on BGG and he, they might be on a website. They're basically very specific scenarios. They tell you which order to put in the cards and your goal is to play that and defeat the boss. Um and you keep trying and trying until you do it because the cards are always in a specific order. Apparently they're really they're harder than the normal game. The, bot, the designer made them challenging on purpose, so they'll take multiple multiple tries to figure out just the right combination. You'll just be playing that level over and over and over until you get it. I have not tried that, honestly. I'm not as excited by that, personally. Yeah, so so my thoughts on this game. It, it, it Like I said, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy the puzzle. I really enjoy the theme and the feel of it. It's okay for solo play in in that it's fun, but but again, I wish it was wider. It's, it's also a lot of fun multiplayer. And if you're going to be able to do both, I would definitely recommend it. If you're going to play it solo, I mean, you can't buy it new anyway. You can only find it, if you find it cheap, I think it'd be worth it. Uh, it's unfortunate there aren't any expansions or anything. There is one expansion. Oh, there, yes, the promo. The, apparently, they had plans for more because the designers, the, all the cards, all the um, sensor cards, which I mentioned are useless in the solo game, 
on the bottom corner have a symbol of a different color and there's like four or five different colors and they they say in the rules you know ignore these they'll they'll apply in future expansions and actually i think there is one or two bosses that that are impacted by it but for the most part they get ignored the the only other reason to play sensor cards you always have two in your hand on your turn each player plays their sensor cards in secret and they're just numbered from like 10 to 400 in increments of 10 whoever plays the highest number goes first right so in solo that doesn't matter because you're going to go first every time but some small percentage of them maybe i don't know maybe 10 percent will give you a bonus maybe they'll give you a balonium more likely they'll give you a move or, or, or a little bonus shooting or something so if you so you want to play the card each turn just discard it because it doesn't matter what it is until you draw the ones that give you the bonus and then save those for just the right time in the multiplayer game, it becomes more of a challenge. Like, do I want to go early or later around now? Do I want to save this card? Do I want to use it? So that becomes kind of interesting. And I think it'd be even better with the three or four players. So yeah, that is that is the battle at Kimball's Cascade. It's a pretty neat space shooter with a interesting mixed opinions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. It doesn't. It looks cheap to me. Mm-hmm. Um. Because of that art, huh? It doesn't look impressive. Yeah, that art just looks cheap. The trays and the components look cheap and inexpensive to me, which doesn't lead to me being impressed from just looking at it. So, I I mean, you can't necessarily judge a book by its cover, but just looking at it, it looks cheap. So I may not, I mean, that doesn't impress me. I wonder, and I wonder if that's why the game just didn't do well. All the art looks so, so old and retro and 80s, and it kind of does give it a cheap feel to it, you know. And and people saw the art and were like, oh, this this seems dumb, and when the heck does that name mean anyway? So I just don't think it did well because of that, which is a shame because it really, it really is it's worth playing. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like it's worth playing. I think mm-hmm. that, I mean, your comment about it being too restrictive to, with two, since the sort of thing that you'd need to sort of experience to really appreciate it. But yeah, again, it wasn't designed for solo, so who knows? Right, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's unfair knocking it for that. It's it it's definitely works better with a wider board. It, you just have more options and more places to go a lot of times. when When it's solo... You are you do feel a little bit more channeled along a path. You have less less freedom of where to go. Plus, you'll see more cards. I think if you're playing with a full number of players, you would see all the cards. I believe. All right. Well, I think with that, Team One Player Podcast is blasting off again. All right. Thank you, Julius. Have a good night, everyone. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.